0: You're listening to The Devoted Podcast, where our desire is to be women devoted to the Word of God. We're so glad you're here, and we pray you'll be challenged and encouraged as we look to God's Word together. Hey, gals, welcome to The Devoted Podcast. Glad you're here with me in the closet today. We're hanging out with Lucy the dog. She's sitting here at my feet, and let's see, we might be joined by the kitten in not too long. She's not really a kitten anymore. We got a, we got a little kitten Back in September, and now she's definitely to that teenage stage that cats are at, and she bites things when she's in play mode, and she can be a little bit of a brat. But you know what? We really love her. She's real sweet. So she sometimes comes in and joins in the podcast closet too, which sometimes the dog doesn't really like. Well, today ladies, what we're going to do is I want to talk to you guys about our new study that is coming up. So some of this will be information about what's coming up, and then also I just kind of want to share some things with you about this particular Bible study. I'm really I always get excited whenever we're going to start a new one. You guys are probably like me in that there's just something great about getting into a book and studying the word together. I love it. I love it. So The next study that's coming up is going to be called, well, it's in the Book of Esther, and it's called Seeing Our King. And this is going to start live for us on Tuesdays, April 4th through May 23rd. It runs for eight weeks there. And if you're brand new and you don't know exactly how our studies work, let me just give you the lowdown here a little bit. We do have a book, we have a workbook that you can get and they're so pretty. And I know being pretty, it isn't the important part of the Bible studies. I have to say, I love our Bible studies because they're pretty unique in a lot of ways to what is out there right now. Because if you guys have been around 80 women for a while, and Ethy Creek, you guys know that we really like to stick to the scriptures. We like to go straight through. We don't like to miss anything. And that's why I think our weekend services and our Wednesday night studies are so, so important for us as gals to be really plugged into so we don't miss anything. And then when we do our Bible studies, though, I don't like this surfacy fluffy stuff. I don't like to pull something out of context and just slap it on to give it some application kind of thing. I want to look at Bible study as really examining and knowing the God who loves us. And scripture has so much for us. It will never get old. So I love to really provide good Bible study, nothing fluffy. But then can I say it is also kind of pretty? And I don't think that's a bad thing. You know what? We've talked about this before. In some ways, the pretty stuff that we see, that's okay for us as gals. We are supposed to be feminine, which means we like some things that are nice to look at. We don't mind some of the flowers. And okay, you guys know I don't love pink. But other than that, we like things that are kind of unique to us as gals. A men's Bible study is going to look very different, right? But for us gals, I love these studies and how the team puts them together because they, yes, they're beautiful, but they also are practical. I am always, this is Amy over here, kind of a bear for the practical. And I love the spiral binding because I just like to flip it over. I don't want to fight with the cover and I just like to dig right in. So I hope that our studies provide really meaty content with what the word says and how we can really study and know the Lord better through studying his word. But then I also love that it is just nice to be in and it's a it's a great book for us gals to study in. So, the study guide is available. I'll put a link in the show notes so that you guys can pop over there. Also, always go to athycreek.com. You can go to the women's ministry page and kind of get all of the information on anything we have coming up. So, like I said how this works, if you cuz maybe some of you don't join us here at Aethy Creek On Sundays and Wednesdays, maybe you're not local to the area and maybe you're part of our more of our online church. And so you can still be a part of this, even if you can't be in our doors. And I have to even say for those that come to the studies, it's great that if you can come to four of them awesome. What if you can't make a couple and you're like, well, I probably shouldn't come. No, if you're here locally, please come when you can. But don't feel like you got to make every single one. Let's be serious, gals. Many of us have families. We have homes that we're taking care of and kiddos and a lot of things that we're juggling. And we need to make sure we're keeping our priorities where they need to be. So for us as Christian gals, that needs to always be that we're Plugging into church first and foremost on the weekends, our Wednesday night Bible study, things like that. That's the real meat and potatoes of what we do at our church. But then we also do have the women's Bible study, which is amazing that you can come and you can be in fellowship with other gals, which I think is just really important for us. But then on the times that you can't, guess what? It's available online. So, if you're joining us live, you can always either stream it live at seven o'clock on those Tuesday evenings. You can come if you're local. We love it; love to see you. We we do a little bit of worship, and we do kind of have a little bit of some sugar, a little bit of some dessert typically at the end, just to fellowship and stuff too. With so, but then if you're out of the area, we always have the videos available on our youtube channel by the next day so maybe you're far away and maybe you guys have been doing our studies where you kind of get a group of gals together and you guys watch it on a different day that's great the teaching is always going to be available online on our 80 women youtube channel and you can check that out and then watch it when you can so the study like i said it's eight weeks long there's actually only seven weeks of homework in there the introduction week is just the teaching part and then every week i will do something that i'm highlighting out of the week that we did. So the second week that we meet, we'll be covering that week one of homework stuff. And I'm not somebody that is going to go line by line and check your homework. And nope, that's not the point. But the homework's there just to kind of help us to dig in. But we don't have to get greeted anymore. And you get to skip a day when your life's nuts. And that's cool. So I always repeat that. Because I do think as gals, we just continue to beat ourselves up a little bit and go, oh, well, I missed a day, so I should probably just not do it. I missed a week or I missed two weeks. And that's just the enemy trying to keep you out of the Word of God. That's all it is. So recognize it for what it is and just be determined to continue to meet God how you can in His Word daily. I love it. So no secret, I love the Bible. I love God's Word so much. And I feel, particularly when we're going to look at the book of Esther, some of you may have studied this just once. Maybe you just read it one time and moved on. Or maybe you've been in other women's studies before and maybe you've studied this book dozens of times. And sometimes I do think it kind of gets put into that category of like, oh, this is a book that women's Bible studies do or something. We're gonna cover that in a second because we gotta remember that this is not a women's book. This is the Bible. So this is for everybody. And there is so much about... God in this book that is really amazing. But regardless of if you've studied this one time or a dozen times or whatever, there's always going to be something for you here. And we know that because God's word says that about itself. It says it in Isaiah 55:11. It says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. I love that so much because what that is telling us right there is that God's word is going to accomplish that which he purposes it to do. And what is interesting to me that I found in my life is that maybe when you studied a book five, 10 years ago, or you studied a particular passage and it really hit you in a very impactful way, fast forward 10, 20 years or whenever you are studying that again. I'd be willing to bet while you might remember how it impacted you back then, it might hit a little differently now. And I think anything in God's word is going to do that. I see that in this promise here in Isaiah 55, 11, that it won't return empty. It's always going to accomplish that which he purposes it to do. Now, I think the thing that is on us to do is coming to the word humbly, that I don't know it all. Yeah, I might know the sequence of events in this story, or I might know this character in the story, but we should never approach the word as, oh, I've heard this before. I already know this stuff. I I don't really need to study this anymore. We really need to posture ourselves with the humility that God through his word is always going to teach us something he's always going to accomplish that which he has purposed for it and we can just hang on to that even here in esther as we study whether this is your first time studying or whether you've studied this many times i am praying that the lord does exactly this that he does what his word says and it will accomplish that which he purposes for you as you are going to study esther a couple little things about esther esther does not seem this is interesting to me because as you read esther it's a story really and it's a good story but it reads differently than a lot of the other books in the bible it's just kind of a unique narrative that we have here in in the old testament but it does not seem to be a book that was ever argued whether or not it should be in the canon of scripture now we're not really diving into what is the canon how it got there all those kinds of things but when we talk about the canon of scripture we're we're talking about the books of the bible that we accept as the scriptures that we hold today. And Esther was never really an argument. It was never really a question like, oh, should Esther be in here? Should it not? It's interesting to me that from the oldest counts back into Jewish history, it was never a question whether or not Esther was going to be considered as part of the scriptures. So in the New Testament, when Jesus will quote the scriptures, he's referring to the Old Testament. He's referring to what they would have considered as the scriptures and Esther is one of those books that would have been considered the scriptures. It was probably written by Mordecai, which is one of our our main characters in the story of Esther. But keep in mind that as you study Esther, it is not a fairy tale. And the reason I have to say that and you know where I'm going with this, because it's got all the components, right? It's got a beautiful queen that once was an orphan, and it's got a really mean guy. I mean, it's it's got it all. It's got the villain, it has a just a very dramatic story, and it has a happy ending. You know, I mean, we can read this with our fairy tale lenses as oh, it's just a nice story. But don't forget that as Esther is part of scripture, that it is considered part of the canon of of scripture that we hold, that it's exactly what is included in what Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3, 16, when he says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So when Paul is writing that about the scripture, he is including Esther in that. Esther is part of that scripture that we can go, Esther, Esther is breathed out by God, the book of Esther. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training, that we may be complete and equipped. I think that's pretty cool. Now, Esther's not another princess book. Just like I just said, we can't read it with the fairy tale lens. Gotta be careful to not read it like a princess book either. It's not really a rags to riches story. You know, while I did say that she's an orphan that then ends up becoming queen, we don't really see from the text that, She was in a poor state or anything like that. Mordecai had a job basically at the palace gates, So he was like an official. So he had some notoriety. So it's not like she was a destitute or anything like that. And also, I just have to say, Persian history, which it was the setting for the Book of Esther, is in Susa, and that would have been part of the Persian Empire. It's way more gritty than we would like. For the most part, scripture, I think, And the story of Esther anesthetized some of the things, not all, because really, even as you read, when we get into chapter one and chapter two, things with Vashti and what he was asked, I mean, it's not that they're graphic, but if you kind of peel back behind the curtain here a little bit in Esther, this is a pretty depraved culture. And they were a very violent culture. That's something else that doesn't necessarily come out. If you decide to read Esther in anything in the NLT, in the New Living Translation, they have some different words for the enemy getting hanged than perhaps what our other translations do. And it's probably actually more accurate. We'll get to those when we get to the later chapters. But all that to say just the Persian culture, we're pretty sensitive about different things and violence and how a government is run and that kind of stuff. It was pretty gory, guys. I'm just saying they were not a nice culture in a lot, a lot of ways. So we'll get into that into the study a little bit, give you some of that backdrop. But Esther is a book that dramatically portrays how God orchestrates his plan through his people. Our first week of the study, we're going to look at what is meant by God's sovereignty and his providence. If those are terms that you have not heard of before, you're going to see those on just grand display in the book of Esther. What's the difference between those two? Is there a difference? So tune in on that first week, because we'll look into that into more detail. But that is a theme that is just going to be throughout the book of Esther. And you're going to see some cool, cool stuff with that. We have some great characters in Esther. Like I told you, you You got Xerxes, who is the king, and yep, he's crazy. And you have his first queen, Vashti, and you see what happens to her and Mordecai and Esther, and you got the bad guy. You got Haman. You have all these key characters. And then there's one character that is a main character that you never see, that is never named, but is present in every word, every chapter, from beginning to end, and that is God himself. Esther is one of only two books in all of scripture that he is not named. The name of God does not appear in Song of Solomon or Esther. However, as you read Esther and what happens throughout Esther, you just see his fingerprints everywhere and you know his presence within it. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says, "'For I know the plans I have for you,' declares the Lord, "'plans for welfare and not for evil.'" Give you a future and a hope. That scripture was written in Jeremiah's book when they were in exile to the exiles. And it's declaring that there's hope for them and there's a future for them. They might not have necessarily felt that hope necessarily. Once they had been taken captive. Now, by the time we get to Esther's day, she had been in captivity. She didn't know any different. She probably had been there her whole life. And it would have been some grandparents or some great uncles, you know, that would have had more of a memory of where they had come from. But the thing that is said in Jeremiah that is so cool is that we see that the Lord has a plan to protect and preserve his people all the way throughout, even when they are in exile. And we, we get the same promise too. You know, in, in Romans eight twenty eight, it says, and, and we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Now, the key in both of these passages is that it's to a people that are called. In the Old Testament in Jeremiah, that is a promise to the Jews that they will be preserved as a people. And then in Romans, we see that that promise extends to us, to those that are called according to his purpose, that all things work together for good. Now, that sounds like a super nice verse. And we've talked about this in other podcasts about sometimes how we define good doesn't necessarily match what the Lord calls good. But the Lord is the one who gets to trump that. He gets to define what good is. And we need to trust in his good because it's so much better than what we would have come up with. Our pastor, Pastor Brett, he... Coined, I don't know if it's original to him, but I heard it from him first when he says that there's things called God right? Okay, there's a, a God It's not a coincidence because there's no such thing as a coincidence, but there are things called God and Esther is full of God We're gonna see this theme, like I told you guys about providence and how it just carries throughout where the Lord is orchestrating things according to His plan, according to His purpose. You know, I got to experience my own little God when I was pregnant with my first kiddo. When I was pregnant with Evan, during your first pregnancy, you're kind of just a little freaked out in general. You just don't really know what's going on. This is all new. You don't know what to expect and all of that stuff. Well, I remember it was, I think it was on my first ultrasound that I went to, you know, they give everything a good look and all that kind of stuff. Not the first one where you get like, I guess the little heartbeat, but I mean the one where you can actually see the baby and see all little hands and all that kind of stuff. But in that ultrasound, they came back and they said, hey, everything looks great. But we see this. There's this little bit of a a growth or a little enlargement, it looks like, on this little gland in the back of his brain. And they're like, you know what? The doctor's like, I hate even telling new moms this because usually it just goes away on its own. But because it's there, we probably will need to do another ultrasound when you're at 30 weeks just to take a look. So of course, you know, the new mom going, uh, okay, okay, you know. And rest of the pregnancy was fine other than I'm horribly, horribly sick. But then I get to that 30-week ultrasound and just like my doctor said, the little thing that they had been watching or monitoring in his brain, it was totally gone. It was completely normal. But just like when they you ever start looking for trouble, you're usually gonna find it, you know. Well, that's kind of what happened here. So they had ordered that ultrasound so that they could watch that little thing in the brain that they were monitoring. It was fine. But they discovered that, you know, It's kind of funny, but one of his kidneys is just a little bit more enlarged. So again, they're like, it's probably nothing, but it just means that after he's born, or actually they didn't say he, because I didn't know he was a he, but after the baby's born, we'll kind of watch that kidney and see what's going on there and just, just make sure. We'll do some ultrasounds and stuff later on after he's born. So- again, just kind of set this thing in motion where we were going to need to kind of watch things. So Evan's born completely healthy. Everything's great. And just following doctor's orders, we went ahead and did those ultrasounds that they had asked for. And I can't remember, we had to do them in like a certain interval. We we did the first one and everything was fine. It was still a little bit enlarged. And so they just ordered another one. And so I think I was still doing them um, I don't know, like every couple months or so. And we were finally to a place where they had decided, you know what, we're just gonna do one more ultrasound. Everything's looking good, but we'll just do one more. So we went in for that ultrasound. And I will never forget, guys, you gotta realize, this was an incredibly routine thing. It was like, this was just not a big deal. Our urologist was just amazing. And I get my little guy back. I think Evan must've been, I don't know. I think by the time this happened, he might've been like, nine, 10 months old, somewhere in there. And he comes in almost like a little incredulous. Like, I kind of can't believe I'm about to tell you this, but we're doing this little routine ultrasound, checking out the kidney, making sure everything's good. And as it turns out, the ureter tube, so the tube that goes from the bladder to the kidney, it had a kink in it. And it, you know, just like kind of looked like a little knot. And he drew it out for us on the whiteboard and all that kind of stuff. He said, this is pretty rare, but it does happen. And this isn't even really what we were looking for, but since this ultrasound had been ordered, we saw this, and that is something that has to be fixed, because if we don't fix that, he will lose the function of that kidney by, you know, by the time he'd be in about kindergarten, he would have had to have the kidney removed. So just a crazy set of circumstances that at the time, back way back months and months and months ago when I was early pregnant and they're watching this little tiny thing in the brain that ended up to be nothing. And then they come and see something else, you know, and it just set in motion this series of events that in the end ended up saving Evan's kidney. And they have had the surgery and they fixed that little kink that was there and he's good to go. That to me in my own life my own little tiny example it is a godwince to me of things that the lord put in place that we would be able to catch that and medically they were able to fix something we would have never had any idea about that little kink there if they had not been watching something as brain back when i was 6 months pregnant it's just amazing and i and i look at that and it just it just brings me such joy to think that god cares about us so much that, I mean, just these tiny, tiny details. He's in them. He's in every single one of them. And he just, he, he's just so minute and detailed with us. And I love that. And I'm sure you have lots of stories like that too. I think that's one of the things that I do love about the book of Esther, that it allows us to reflect on our own stories of providence, of seeing God's sovereignty and the, the god that we experience every day. I love this. So for our little intro here on the book of Esther, just a real quick snippet here, but I kind of wanted to skip to the end for a minute. Like I said, most of you know the story of Esther. And if you don't, then pause and go read it real quick or listen to it on an audio Bible app real quick. But go ahead and check out the story. You have my permission, stop the podcast and go check that out and come back. And also I just want to say side note for our gals that might be new The Bible. You know, if you ever hear something on the podcast or maybe you just have no idea what I'm talking about, or you come to the study, maybe you come to a Tuesday night study and you feel like you're kind of just sitting there and nodding and smiling and pretending you know because everybody else seems to know what was going on and that kind of stuff, and you don't want to appear like you don't know. Can I just, you know, pause on that and peel back the little Christiany curtain a bit, I guess, and just remind you all that we are all learning and growing our knowledge of the Lord and his word, especially me. I mean, especially me. And I really do mean that. I am a student of the Bible and I love it so much, but I have scratched the tiniest surface. I always remember Pastor Brett says that all the time. He'll say like, man, I feel like I've just scratched the surface. I look at Pastor Brett and I'm like, man, he knows the Bible. But the thing about the Bible is that the more you study it, the more you realize man, you really don't know. Like there's more to go. There's more to study. And it just doesn't run out. So we're all learning. We're all growing. And the enemy, he's going to really try to deter you in any way he can to get you to stop reading your Bible. Stop coming to Bible study. Stop going to church. You know, he'll say, you're not, you're not smart enough for this. You're not worthy enough, blah, blah, blah. You know, he does this to all of us. So some others sitting in the road next to you, or they might be nodding and smiling more convincingly, but we're all there, okay? We all have things that we don't always get all the time. So recognize it and recognize that it's the enemy that's trying to just kind of deter you, get you to stop learning and growing in your knowledge of the Lord and just dig your heels in and keep going ask questions. You know, if we can help, let us help. Email us. Man, we'll shoot you some helpful teachings from Pastor Brett, or we'll suggest some tools, or just answer your questions as best we can. So, just a little side note, because some of you listening have been Christians for decades, and some of you guys might be brand new or somewhere in between. But we're not talking about a normal book, right? We're not talking about a normal book you might have on your library shelf, or you check out from the library that you get to read, and you just know it and you can move on. The Bible is not like that. You know, it's Hebrews 4.12. It tells us, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Wow. The scriptures are able to do so much more. They're not just words on a page. They're actually able to discern <laughs> as we study them, discern the thoughts and intentions of a heart. That's huge. So just a little, little side note there. So But we kind of know the story of Esther. So back to where I was headed. And if you don't, pause. No judgment. Go check it out. I'm recording this on March 8th today. And I didn't really think so much about it, but I, I wanted to, before I did this episode, just go and read all of Esther again. And I chose today to read it in the New Living Translation, which most of the time I study in either the King James or the ESV is usually my go-to. But today I was listening to it in the New Living Translation and I'm chucking along and I get to chapter nine and this is what it says. And I just wanted to read to you guys the end of the story a little bit. And it says in Esther nine, verse one and two, so on March 7th, the two decrees of the king were put into effect. And on that day, the enemies of the Jews had Hoped to overpower them, but quite the opposite happened. It was the Jews who overpowered their enemies. The Jews gathered in their cities throughout all the king's provinces to attack anyone who tried to harm them, but no one could make a stand for them, for everyone was afraid of them. So, like I said, definitely coming to this is how the story ends. But did you notice it happened on March 7th? I thought that was kind of funny. Continue a little bit more with the ending, and then I'll come back to our dates here. But Esther responds later, after this day where they had come back and they had been able to fight against their enemies, Esther responds and she says to the king, she says, if it please the king, give the Jews in Susa permission to do again tomorrow as they have done today and let the bodies of Haman's son, 10 sons be impaled on a pole. So the king agreed and the decree was announced in Susa. And then it goes on to say how many people died and all of this stuff. And that would happen on March 8th. So why those dates are important. This is The book of Esther is the purpose of it for the Jewish people was to institute the celebration of Purim. And it was celebrated around this time on the first week of March on on our calendar. So this year in 2023, that's March 6th and 7th for them. And on the Jewish calendar, it's the 14th of Adar. So that is when traditionally the festival of Purim is celebrated. And I just thought it was interesting. I had no idea that that was going to be the day that I was going to actually be recording this podcast. But, you know, we were talking about these god I just think it's things that the Lord just brings just to make his word come alive to us and go on this very day. This day is when the Jewish people would be celebrating this festival of Purim that the whole book of Esther is written on. That we are getting to that we're gonna end up studying, and then I happen to be doing a podcast. There's no coincidence, I didn't just happen upon it. The Lord orchestrates our steps, even these little tiny things, and I love that. So we know how this story ends, and we see this victory here that it goes out. Now, did you notice it is a little bit of a bloody end? Yes, it's it's a win, but like I said, it's kind of more of a PG-13 book. There's definitely a little bit more grit to the Persian culture and the battle and how things are are fought. But for Esther, this story is a beautiful ending in that, yes, it's a story of her own personal survival and that of her family. But more than that, Esther is a story of the survival of the preservation of the entire Jewish people from annihilation. Because that's really what's happening in Esther. They're seeking to destroy the jews that would have come in complete conflict with what god had promised the exiles in jeremiah 29 11 that i already read to you that for i know the plans i have for you because of that we get this ending here in esther that the jewish people would be saved and they would persevere from annihilation now that's what getting to see the end how the story ends and how that plays out for esther and why that's such good news but for us I think we also see hope in this. The darkness of this world, it's just not even hiding anymore. We'll talk a little bit about how some of that grit that the Persian empire was and that culture being as depraved as it was. And some of it's not gonna seem too weird to us because we kind of see it on display today. Darkness is not hiding anymore. It's kind of in our face daily and you just kind of can't pretend it's not there. We live in a dark, dark day just as the Jews in Esther's day were in exile and it was a difficult time for them, so are we in a lot of ways that makes this story of Esther even more relevant to us. Because the Lord does not change. The God that, although not named in Esther, but is everywhere, is the same God that we might not see right now in all of this darkness. And his name might not be all around either. But he's everywhere. He's everywhere today. And he's working. And I, and I think this is so amazing that we get to observe this story for another culture with Esther and see how it's playing out. But I do find it incredibly relevant for us today, as we observe in our modern context, a very dark exilic period, right? We as Christians are strangers in this world. And the enemy is trying to destroy us even, trying to destroy these these little Christs, these little Christians that want to go out proclaiming the name of Jesus. The enemy is alive and well, and he wants to put you down, just like he wanted to destroy them in Esther's day. But the book of Esther gives us such hope because we get to see how God preserved his people. And since we know that God does not change, we know that same God, that while we may not see him, All across our news headlines right now, he's working. He's behind the scenes and he's working in every little detail. As you read scripture, we can flip to the end of the story too. You can go to the book of Revelation and check out Revelation 22. And here's just a couple verses that I highlighted in Revelation 22. In verse seven, it says, and behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of this prophecy of this book. In verse 12, behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And then also verse 16 and 17, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The Spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who desires the water of life without price. And then finally, verse 20, it says, he who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That is the end of the story for us. The end of the Bible, this is how it ends, reminding us of Jesus the descendant of david he said which that's key for us even as we study the book of esther because that line would have been disrupted if esther and all of her people had perished all the way back then in esther's day then the line of david would have stopped and we wouldn't have the messiah but we know like i said from jeremiah 29:11 the lord's promises are true they never change they never falter and he promised that he did have a plan for a future and a hope that says Jesus, the descendant of David, the bright morning star, he says, come. He says, I am coming soon. This is such a great promise to us. And if I can just even in an Old Testament book like Esther, if I can end with a little bit of a gospel reminder here, because we know the end of the story, right? Just like here in Esther, we know that God will preserve We know that he will redeem his people. And we know for those of us who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, repented of our sins, we know the end of the story for us. And it's glorious. And we won't have to endure all of these dark, dark, dark times here. We have a promise of a home in heaven with Jesus. That's the end of our story. And it's so fun to take a look at Esther and see, oh, yep, see? The Lord is faithful then. He did it then. And he's going to do it again. But I do think it's helpful, healthy. And yep, maybe even seems a little repetitive, but to always have a little bit of a gospel reminder here, because the end of our story here in Revelation reminds us that he is coming quickly and he is coming for us. So I hope that gives you hope. I hope that when you hear that salvation is coming and it's guaranteed, just as you can look at Esther's story and go, yep. He did it there. He's going to do it again. He is coming. My family and I really enjoyed getting to go see the Jesus Revolution recently. And I couldn't help but just getting a little teary in that movie because it was just that gospel reminder again that we all need Jesus. And the fact that he doesn't just, it's not like he's saving us from our circumstance or he's saving us from whatever trial we end. Sometimes he does that. And sometimes there's great practical salvation in something, but it's the eternal implication, you know, seeing those, those kids in the movie that were lost and searching for something that they were trying to find it through drugs and just an aimless lifestyle, which we absolutely today are no different. We look for God in all kinds of places that We're not going to find him. But you got to see the story play out in the most simple way, really, of how Jesus just what the good news is. And that is that we will find the answers that we're looking for when we look for him in the right place. When we're not distracted, when we're not sucked in by the enemy into things that will harm us, but we actually find life in Jesus, the repentance of our sins and the redemption that he offers through the cross of Christ. It might seem strange to think that there's even gospel reminder within Esther, but I think we see that because we see how the line of David that Jesus, the descendant of David, the bright morning star that Revelation tells us about was preserved. That line was preserved through the faithfulness and God's sovereignty that he demonstrated in Esther. He did it then and he's gonna do it this time too. He is coming soon. So I hope you guys can join us for Esther. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast months and months from now and you're like, oh, I guess I missed it, it's never too late. We always keep the workbooks in the bookstore if you wanna grab that. Or if you're like, I don't wanna buy a book, don't worry, don't buy the book. If you just wanna grab your Bible, grab a journal and study Esther, you can watch the teachings, they're free on YouTube. Just do that. The book is not a requirement in order for you to study the word for sure. It's there to help you. If you don't want it, no big deal. Just go and study the word in any way that you can. I hope to see a bunch of you guys on Tuesday nights. If you do study with us, if you've got questions, if there's anything we can help you with, please shoot us an email at either devotedpodcast at athecreek.com or you can also email us at women at athecreek.com, either one but we would love to help you out and we look forward to hearing from you guys and seeing you at Esther this year. Thank you for tuning in to the Devoted Podcast. We are a ministry of Ap Creek Christian Fellowship in Westland, Oregon. For more resources or if you need prayer or encouragement, send us an email at devotedpodcast at